What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Andrew, man, gear it up for FAU, man, the first game of the season. I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty excited, man. I'm excited to get down there mainly to tailgate and to watch the game. And, uh, you know, I'll be sitting down there where the uh, the Gators come out there and taking a few videos. I'm pretty excited. I never had seats there, so uh, I'm ready to get down there, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dan Mullen said something on Wednesday, and it didn't really – I mean, it, it did. I, I, I knew it, but it, it didn't really resonate with me that, you know, you really haven't had a full crowd since the Orange Bowl. Right. Um, and that's over 600 days. And, you know, is the crowd going to be rocking and sold out for FAU? Absolutely not. But I think it's going to be a good crowd on Saturday night in the Swamp and – you know, Dan Mullen said, you can't simulate that. You know, there, there's no uh, crowd noise you can pump into the stadium. So I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for football in general. You know, you have the, the Tennessee, you have Tennessee Bowling Green on Thursday. Uh, and then you you obviously have Miami and uh, and uh, Alabama before the Florida game on Saturday. While Florida's playing, you have uh, Georgia Clemson. And then you have uh, um, Notre Dame that's going to put the beat down on FSU on Sunday night. That's a little primetime football. Uh, welcome to TV, FSU. <laughs> yeah, welcome to mainstream TV. It hasn't hit you in a while, has it? <laughs> yeah. Well, we see the, uh, the, 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 the teacher with his book is, is the question. Yeah, I know. We'll probably slap him around with it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of good stuff. You know, I, I really, uh, you know, people always say, you know, do you really want a tune-up game or do you want a, you know, a top 10, you know, top 25 matchup to start the year? You know, there's arguments both ways. There really is. For me personally, I love to see those top 25 matchups to, to start the year. You know, even, you know, Florida, Miami week zero, two years ago, I, I thought was good. You know, Florida, Michigan, um, a few years back when it was in AT&T Stadium. I, I like it. You know, I think it's uh, I think it's good for football. I mean, nobody wants to watch, you know, Florida FAU 50 times around the country. Yeah, and when you're starting the football season, you obviously want to have good games lined up on the slate. And that's usually what they try to do every year is get two or three of those good games in there. And what I love about the first game of the season, and I mentioned it last week, you get games on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it's Labor Day weekend, too. So you get an extra, yeah. extra day off to watch all those games, too. We're taping this on Wednesday, and my man Bill Clark up at UAB going to kick off here in a little bit. And that'll be a good one. And um, Yeah, I, you know, it wouldn't be game week, though. If you didn't have the depth chart that comes out. Oh yeah. The yeah. depth chart, the dreaded depth chart that everybody loves to hate. And some of the smarter people out there uh, just already know what's going to happen. It's, it's, you know, it's like kind of when Steve Spurrier talked about how sometimes he would look at practice and he'd be like, yeah, I'll just pencil him in here. I'll just pencil him in there. It's like, really, that's kind of really what Dan Mullen does, right? He kind of just pencils somebody in there and then tomorrow it could, it could be somebody else. You might, you you might even see DeMarcus Bowen out there uh, this week. You may not. He may he may release another depth chart before the game. <laughs> so, so you're saying he may just put all the hats in a in a hat and shake it up and draw it. Well, That's not for weird. everybody, but not for everybody. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I say this, and that piece of paper he wrote that depth chart on was an extra piece of toilet paper for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is for college coaches around the country, and and listen. I am, I'm one of those people. I want to see the depth chart. Do I, do I know every year when I see the depth chart that it means absolutely nothing for sure? I, yeah, it's, but it is what it is. It's football season. You want to see the depth chart um, as official, unofficial as it is. And I'll say this, I think for the most part, it's pretty official. Um, you know, there's a couple, uh, for instance, Ventrell Miller and Amari Bernie are your two starting linebackers. Um, I, you know, I, I think, more so than not, you're going to have Ventrell Miller and uh, Diabate on the field together. And and I think that's a little bit of what Dan Mullen had to say. You know, he said it's not so much who starts, it's who is playing the most snaps. And I think that's, I think that's very accurate in, in a lot of ways because, for instance, if you're lining up against um, the wishbone, obviously it's going to be Ventrell Miller and Bernie a little bit more than if you're lining up per se against uh, Clemson, who's going to go five wide, you know, it might be Diabate and Hopper in the game more at linebacker. So I, while 
while I like to, and everyone likes to say, well, this depth chart's worthless and yada, yada, yada. It is a depth chart because that's just what they're rolling out against a particular offense. Uh, was there any shock to you, David, that really caught your attention in this depth chart? To For me, there really wasn't, I'll be honest. Well, I always used to say seniority over skill when it comes to Dan Mullen, and that's how he usually makes his depth charts. But you know, you always see it every game that he switches so many players out per play that you're probably going to see a little bit of everybody anyway. So I, I don't really look too much into the depth chart, but I always say seniority over skill when it comes to Dan Mullen. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, DBs, starting DBs where Elam and Avery Helm and Tradine and Rashad Torrance are, you know, starting at the safety spots with Trevez Johnson at, at nickel. Again, I, I don't know that that's a big deal. Um, I, do I expect to see Jason Marshall and Elijah Blaze and Jadarius Perkins um, a ton in the game at Q, at that cornerback uh, two spot? Absolutely. I I don't think that Avery Helm by any means whatsoever has got that spot locked down. Um, and even if he did, you're going to rotate guys in and out. And, um, you know, just like Travis Johnson, do I expect him to be on the field every play at nickel? Not at, not at all. Uh, Dan Maul would be doing himself a disservice and the team a disservice if he didn't rotate a ton of guys, especially in this FAU game. Uh you know, and then you have the the addition, and I know I'm kind of jumping around there, but you have the addition of the Auburn transfer, Tyron Truesdale, who really mixes up the defensive tackle spot that already had Valentino and Newkirk as your starting D tackles. Both of those guys are transfers in. Um, some people were saying, well, why is Gervin Dexter not starting? Defensive tackles are going to rotate yeah. a ton. Yeah, and, and he doesn't. He has one year of full game practice, as Tyrone Truesdale, I believe, has two years. And, you know, it's good that you got this guy from Auburn, especially with Newkirk's injury. We don't know how extensive that, that groin injury was. But, you know, you want those extra, you want that extra depth anyway, just in case of injury. So bringing in a guy like this from Auburn who has two years of experience, who has game time experience, I, I'm not really, I mean, everything's going to work itself out. The best player pretty much is going to play by week three. <laughs> Dan Mullen's not going to yeah. roll somebody out there that he's unsure of in week three. So I think what he's trying to do is in week one and week two, find out what works, find out which player plays the best, find out what he thinks is going to work against Alabama, and then head into you know the swamp week three. I, I have no complaints about the depth chart or who he rolls in, who he rolls out, because you're going to see a lot of bodies out there anyway. And, and no matter what bodies you see, the Gators will be wearing orange helmets, and white jerseys. So everybody was told to wear white. So it looks like it looks like the end zones are going to be white there too, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, people were up in arms and not really signal the start of football season is when the, you know, uniform um announcements get the uh a ton of flack and you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, some people were saying wild white First of all, the seniors get to really dictate and call out what they want to do and, you know, how they want to do things. And so um, I don't I don't have a problem with it. I, I'm one of those people. I, I don't have a problem. Now, would I prefer to always see, you know, Florida in the blue and the orange traditionally? Yeah, I would. Uh, but it is what it is. And, you know, Florida's going to be at nighttime where it's um, hot. So maybe the white jerseys keeps them a little cooler and. I, you know, the fans are, you know, in their white, maybe they don't sweat through it. That's the only bad thing is you'll be seeing a lot of sweaty people in the stands and they're all white. Yeah. Well, the only thing, only reason why I don't like white shirts is because if you're tailgating and you spill beer on it, then that's it, man. Looks like you peed yourself or something. You got to know who's been partying hard before they got into the stadium. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Might have to wear, uh, what are those, those bibs before I go in there? Just yeah. make sure my shirt doesn't get. <laughs> that wouldn't work over in Baton Rouge. No, it wouldn't. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully this year's game doesn't wind up like last time Florida Atlantic came in here with it being fourteen to twenty, and and you know the overtime with with our boy Treon Harris there. That's the undefeated oh. against Georgia, by the way. Just to let you know that. <laughs> yeah, um, you know you, you you look at you know the 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 uniforms and um, and all that, and it, it just, it, like you say, it signals football season's back. It signals that, um, that it's time to go again. 
you get excited about it because it's, you know, you, you wait all year for it. Um, and, you know, soon you'll be, we'll be breaking down the FAU game overall. Um, I wanted to ask your opinion on this something before we really start to get into the preview of a FAU. And that is how do you judge overall the excitement from fans for this year? I'm going to say this and, and I may, I may get totally blasted for this. I don't know that um I don't know that I sense the same excitement as fired up for the season to be here um, as I typically do, and I don't I don't know why that is. And I was going to ask you if you kind of felt that as well, or if that was just me. I don't know. I see a lot of on Twitter a lot of engagement, so mm-hmm. I I think fans are excited just because you know you didn't really get the full stadium atmosphere last year you couldn't really tailgate you couldn't really do anything last year you pretty much i stayed home the whole year i watched it from the house i didn't first of all i didn't want to take the risk second of all the ticket prices were pretty expensive per person because you've only got what what was it ten thousand people in the stands maybe twenty thousand yeah. if that and you could buy a cardboard cutout, but why would I want to buy that when I, you know, so I, my cardboard cutout can watch the game? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, who cares? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I think they're a little bit more excited. I just think that, you know, eight and four rubbed them the wrong way last year. And the way that the defense played and, you know, even when you heard Dan Mullen in certain press conferences talking and making excuses about the Texas A&M game and how the stadium was full and, you know, you didn't really get the attitude from Dan Mullen that you got the past two years with the Gator Standard. And I think a lot of that had to do with, well, you know, and, and as far as Marco Wilson played last year, I'm not going to say anything bad about him. I'm over it. I don't care. But when you're constantly underperforming, you cost a game by throwing a shoe. You do all that stuff and you don't do anything to this guy. You don't punish him or whatever, do any kind of discipline to the guy to make him learn. You could have just sat him out for a quarter or two quarters, make him learn something. You didn't even do that. You just completely ignored it. And then you said, well, I didn't throw the shoe. So, or I didn't see the shoe. He said, I didn't see the shoe. So, you know, I think fans are, you know, you know, excited to get into the stands, but they're a little bit, you know, weary of, oh, are we going to see the same thing we saw last year? Is it going to be eight and four? Is it going to be nine and three? So I think the attitude of the fans is more like they, they have questions about the team, but they're still excited to go to the stadium. It's definitely a big year for Dan Mullen on and off the field. Um, You know, I said it and we all said it. And that was, there was a lot of, you know, bubbles at the mouth when it, when it came to Dan Mullen last year, Um, you know, it started with, you know, talking about the crowd at A&M and talking about wanting the the stadium to be full and, you know, you name it, he fumbled a lot last year. Um, You know, it's a big year for him there. It's a big year for him on the field with, like we said before, this is his full team this year. Um, so there's a lot of big things for it. And, um, you know, maybe that's what, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just people are, are a little hesitant on, you know, getting excited or whatever it may be. Um, and, and maybe that's the case. I don't know. Like I said, I just seem like there's not as much, um, excitement overall. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it is. You know, I, I only I didn't go in the swamp last year the same reason you did. Um, you know, I was a little nervous about it, wanted to protect myself and everything else. And so I, I'm excited to get back, hold uh, out, and, you know, see that crowd noise. Yeah, and I hope there's a lot of crowd noise because apparently the whole student section sold out. Now let's hope they show up on time and don't show up uh <laughs> 20 minutes late because they're coming back from their dorm room party. But I do not count on that. But I, I do yeah. predict that you're going to see a lot of airplane bottles in that section, though, by the end of the game. <laughs> anyway. They, um, they're disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just one word we're going to put out there. We're not going to say anything else on the show that could possibly uh, deter yeah. the students from coming into this game. <laughs> yeah. Just show up. Show up. Support your team. Um you know, support your fellow students and, and, um, and let people, uh, let people know that the swamp's a place, uh, to, uh, to be reckoned with and a place that you don't want to play. Um, let's move on though. Let's move into this preview a little bit and, and it's going to be short lived preview. And, um, as expected, I mean, what are you, what are we going to sit here and break down and talk about when it comes to FAU? And, you know, we'll, again, we'll see what they are. Um, uh, 
I, I know you have a little bit more um, in depth on some guys here, but, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, David, when I look at this game overall is just um, Perry, Nikosi Perry, and just going out there and, and stopping what that zone read. You know that's what he's going to do. Um, the tapes out there uh, that Florida hasn't been very good at stopping the zone read under Todd Grantham. They, they just haven't. Um, they've been very bad at setting the edge and 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 protecting that. Um, if you're FAU and Willie Taggart, you're probably going to come into this game and you're going to uh, do that. You're going to attack that. You're going to um, and see if Florida, Brenton Cox, Jeremiah Moon, Zach Carter, all of those guys can set the edge. Because if not, it turns into a long day. Um, I I think it's a good test for Florida uh, simply because Nick. I mean, obviously Perry's. A, I mean, he's good enough to play at Miami and. You know, you put your joke in, he transferred, yada, yada, yada. But he's still a, a decent quarterback overall. Uh, and he'll test for it, and he'll prepare you for the for the rest of the games on the season and prepare you uh, in that zone read that now everybody's doing, um, the RPO game, that kind of stuff. So, for me, that's the key is keeping Perry in the pocket, making him beat you with the passing game. You talked about zone read, and zone read will be head coached. By none other than your boy, Free Willie, Willie Taggart. For his yeah. career, his career record as head coach is 61 and 66, which is just under 500 in his coaching career. He also has yet to win any bowl games that he has coached as a head coach. And that's probably because the teams he's coached were so bad, they never even really made it to bowl games. <laughs> I'm not sure how this guy yeah. keeps getting jobs, but hey, you know what? It's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Like he said, do something. Uh, he does replace a. He replaces Lane, who you know, Lane, Lane for all of his sake can can win some football games. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, Lane Kiffin. Um, I know a lot of FAU fans were upset when Lane Kiffin had left, and the Lane train, you know, went over there to Ole Miss, and he's got that offense going over there. So uh, yeah, Lane was probably a little bit sad to leave Boca Raton and the the party scene that uh come with um Boca Raton yeah definitely and you know Lane's a Lane's an offensive guy right and and this is funny yeah. when I when I looked up these statistics it was it was hilarious how much of an offensive guy Lane Kiffin is but if you go by their offense last year and we have last year's stats to roll by we don't have this year so obviously the season hasn't started 18.9 points per game good for 115th in the nation 324.9 <laughs> yards per game Good for 112th in the nation, 4.7 yards per play average, which is 103rd in the nation, and 4.5 yards per rush average, which was 60th. So you're right in the middle, right there, the 60th in the rushing yard uh, game. But, man, was this offense was pretty putrid in the Conference USA division last year. But, as you said, they got a new quarterback now in Nikosi Perry. Six-foot-four guy from Ocala, Florida, who played at Vanguard, who previously transferred from Miami. So a guy who's tall, has the ability to run well, the former four-star recruit mentioned it last week, 199th ranked recruit nationally, seventh ranked dual threat quarterback in the 2017 class. Uh, for, for his career, he's thrown for 2,484 yards with a 52.4% completion rating with 397 career attempts and 208 of those throws were actual completions. So nothing that really jumps out to you that freaks you out anything about Nikosi Perry, but you know, Miami, didn't really have a good offensive line over there. If you you know you want to watch the 2019 game with Florida versus Miami, you can you can see what their offensive line was like. And in pretty much in 2020, it didn't improve from there. So, Nikosi Perry, a, a, a you know a kid that was highly regarded in in the recruiting world in 2017, but uh, he's going to have a tough test, man. He's got way less talent than he had at Miami. He does have a few good offensive players. One good defensive player and a, and a running back that can help him out. Um, first of all, and Spivey, I want to ask you this too. Nikosi Perry being a dual threat, you you said you talked about setting the edge and uh, you know getting lined up, less confusion. Do you think Florida can contain Nikosi Perry and obviously get some sacks? They're going to need to get some sacks. I think. I think. I think Florida fans just want to see some kind of sex. You know, Todd Grantham loves to blitz. Hopefully there's no double corner blitzes this game. But uh, he loves to blitz. Do you think – how many sacks do you think Florida gets on a dual-threat quarterback like this? With, with, you, you, know, you got Brenton Cox. you got Zachary Carter. you got all those guys out there setting the edge there. But you got those guys that are in the middle that can, you know, 
hopefully stuff the run. We'll see. But, you know, what do you think? What's, what do you think? How many sacks do they get this game? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go low number three or four uh, okay. in the game just, just because, you know, you're expecting to at least get back to the line of scrimmage. You're expecting to at least um, – you know, scramble a little bit. He does have an interception uh, prone style as well. Yeah. So maybe he throws it up for grabs. But, you know, also, and I say this, and I'm a laugh at myself when I say this, but Willie Taggart should be smart enough to know that Kosey Perry is not going to throw, a, you know, all over Florida's defense. But that's Willie Taggart and Willie Taggart and smart do not go in the same Senate. So I need to laugh at myself here, insert the joke. Why don't you? Uh, so, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Perry's gotta, gotta be able to keep control the game, um, limit the, the negative plays. But for me, for Florida, and that's simply, if you set the edge and allow your linebackers to, to freely, you know, come through, allow Newkirk and, and Valentino and Truesdale and Gervin Dexter and those guys to be able to, to work their way. Like you said, FAU's offensive lines, they're okay. They're not bad. But Florida's defense line is much better or should be much better from what we know. Um, you like Florida's chances to get a few. Um, for, for me – it's, you know, what's your game plan if you're FAU? You know, obviously you're going to do some zone reads and you're going to try to get Perry out. But if if I'm looking at what happened last year for Florida, and obviously this is a new team, new defense, uh, a new defensive backs uh, coach in Wesley McGriff, I'm trying to go short game. Yeah. I'm trying to work the slants, the out routes, the you know the comebacks, the you know the the short game passing to the to the receiver. I mean to the running backs out of the backfield, and um, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to pick and pop my way down the field. Um, if you do anything else, you're doing Florida a favor in this game. Yeah, because uh, he's not accurate whatsoever. Um, guy, no, uh, throwing fifty two percent. And yeah, if you've just seen him play at Miami, you already know what you get out of Nikosi Perry. Um, I, I do expect Florida to at least try to contain the run and force Nikosi Perry to pass. Um, I expect to see a little bit more of Hopper and Diabate. Those are your two faster linebackers you got out there that could really, you know, throw off the run game for these guys. But I do see them trying to run up the middle a lot and trying to test that that middle part. And that's probably where, you know, you need your more experienced linebackers like you were talking about earlier. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of run game, you know, I did a little bit of research on, on FAU, and they have a running back by the name of James Charles, a five foot 10 200-pound running back from St. Thomas Aquinas, a school that pumps out numerous five-star and top 100 kids just every single year. So it comes from a hard division there in St. Thomas Aquinas. A kid who's averaged about five yards per attempt and about 800 yards rushing for his career. So nothing that really jumps off, but, you know, stays within that five-yard per rush game. And I think Nikosi Perry's legs is going to help this guy out to get more yards, throw that defense off. And I think that's what they're really going to try to set early. But like you said, it is Willie Taggart. So his game plan might just be pass, pass, pass all game. But really... I think FAU is going to hang around in that first quarter. I really do. I think they're going to they, – they're obviously going to give this defense some fits. It is the first game of the season. Guys are still trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. So I, I, I expect them to run more than they do pass. Uh, but, you know, it, it they should be able to contain the run game from these running backs, whether it's James Charles, former USF running back from – you know, back Johnny Ford, who presumably seems to be the backup there. Uh, I, I, I don't really see – quality running backs back here that could, you know, give Florida fits on this defensive line. I think this defensive line pretty much swallows this offensive line whole. I don't see any good or decent playmakers that could give this defensive line trouble. So what you have to do is I think you have to clog the middle of your defensive line and let your linebackers do the work this game. I mean, that's that's how you're going to contain FAU to keep them from scoring, you know, over 20 points on your defense. I... I've been waiting on it for two years, and I'm hoping this is the week that is Tyron Hopper's coming out party. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a guy who who could dominate this game. You know, if Perry's trying to go sideline to sideline, there's no better linebacker on this field to go sideline to sideline than Tyron Hopper. Right. So if, if that's the game plan, I want to see Tyron Hopper. That's not to say I don't want to see Amari Bernie because I do. Uh, this will be the first time Bernie's really stayed at the same position two years in a row. So I, 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 I'm an Amari Bernie fan. I think his game's really good. I've been 
underwhelmed by how they've used him. Um, Diabati the same way, but um, Tyron Hopper, this is his football game. This is Tyron mm-hmm. Hopper's year. And I've said this from the get-go, Florida needs Tyron Hopper to play really well. They need him when it comes to the Alabama game in week three and Alabama decides to go back to the five wide with their running back set up in the slot and running that slant route that they, that Nick Saban loves to run. And I know it's Bill O'Brien calling the plays, but it's Nick Saban's offense, whether we want to say whatever. It's Nick Saban's offense. You need Tyron Hopper to be that guy to match up with that slot receiver as the running back and, and go get it. And, you know, I, I really want to see it. And, you know, I – I know we're, you know, really previewing the game in general. And I think the biggest thing for me is just to see some guys in the secondary, in the linebacker group that we haven't seen play a lot, see that they've improved from last year. You know, that was the biggest thing. Nobody really improved uh, from 19 to 20. A lot of that's due to practice and COVID and, you know, everything else. But um, so I want to see those guys improve. I mean, Derek Wingo is another guy at that linebacker spot. You want to see that. Um I get what you're saying that they're probably try to run up the middle a little bit. It should be good luck. That's what you should be saying. If Gervin Dexter is as good as we've heard and been told that he's done in fall camp, good luck because Gervin Dexter should eat these guys alive. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned my boy, Tyron Hopper. there, a guy from Roswell high school, top 100 player. Uh, I've, I've been to a couple of his games down here in Roswell, uh, when he first committed to Florida and, and he, dude, I think he is the best all around linebacker on, on this roster. I think he's good in coverage. He has elite speed for his size. He hits hard. It is it, the thing that stands out to me is his coverage skills basically is he's really good at reading the quarterback's eyes and getting interceptions. I mean, if you go back to his under armor game. There was three picks he had in that game. He dropped every single one of those picks. But I remember being so upset for Tyron Hopper when he was in the yeah. Under Armour All-American game because I was like, man, he could have had three interceptions. But, I mean, shoot, that shot him up really far in the rankings. He was sitting at like 110, 120, got into the 80s, I believe, before the end of the class. So the sky is the limit for Tyron Hopper. And since we're still sticking here with offense and, and what may, may give you know Florida the trouble on the defense, the guy that I researched here on offense was John Mitchell. Uh, he was out for the 2020 season with a knee injury, but did have 38 receptions last year for 488 yards before his injury, which averages around 34.9 yards per game. So it looks like this can be Florida Atlantic's big go-to receiver this game. He's about a six foot four guy, 228-pound receiver. So one of those big-bodied, tall receivers Florida will be matched up with here. But I expect Kyer Elam to be on this guy all game long. I mean, you're, you, you want to match your best corner with their best receiver. And so... I think Kyer Elam will be matched up with this guy. He's going to have his hands full, man. This, this guy's pretty big. He's tall. But how fast is the guy? Is he faster than Kyer Elam? I don't think so. I don't think he's got that kind of elite speed that Kyer Elam has. But uh, definitely a playmaker to look out for there on offense. Uh, somebody that can help Nikosi Perry out if he throws it to him accurately. <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the key kicker there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are two guys on offense. I, I feel that... Florida could look out for it, FAU. You know, I'm, you know, going down their roster, I don't really see any other names that, that jump out to me. But they are returning a lot of juniors, seniors, a lot of guys with in-game experience, not many freshmen whatsoever. And they do have a couple of uh, transfers, one from Florida State on the offensive line there. And, uh, you know, they hit the transfer portal a little bit. But it, it, to me, offensively at FAU, it should be no problem for this Florida defense to stop them. Nine guys playing their sixth year. They have one guy playing their seventh year. So Rick Wells will not be the oldest guy in this game. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one of the – you got – who was it? Who's the oldest guy there right now? I think it's that linebacker, right? Aaron Young, Aaron number Young. 13. Yep. Wow. That is, um, uh, what is he, 13 times two? And yeah. <laughs> He's one of their receivers. One of their receivers. Well, okay. Well, I guess since we just discussed offense, there's two guys you should be able to still contain on offense. I don't think Florida's going to have any problem with offense. Now, defense, I want to get into these defensive numbers because last year Florida was abysmal on defense. Uh, I think a lot of SEC teams struggled on defense because of COVID and all of that, but it still makes no excuse for there to be lack of confusion and confusion in the playbook and all of that. So we'll see what happens and. Hopefully those two fired assistants helped because they decided to keep Grantham. (laughs) 
defensively, AF, yeah. or FAU has been really, really well. And now they have a new defensive coordinator along with their offensive coordinator this year, too. So wh- who knows how... Uh, Stoops is their defensive coordinator right now, I believe. And, uh, you know, they uh, averaged uh, about 17 points per game allowed. That's 10th in the nation, which is really, really good. Top 10 there in the nation. 342.2 yards per game allowed, which is 23rd in the nation. 4.9 yards allowed per game, which is 21st in the nation. And 4.2 rushing yards allowed, which is 50th in the nation. So their defense was shutting down some teams in the Conference USA, but... This is the SEC, buddy. This is a whole different playing field. Yeah. Um, you know, the the scouting report, you know, on them early on is their their defensive front seven is gonna be decent and their secondary is gonna be bad. Yeah. You you wonder a little bit about that. They have a nose tackle that's 356 pounds. Uh, welcome to college football, Kingsley. You know, you're gonna <laughs> line up at center with this. You know, big old 6'3", 356-pound nose tackle staring you in the eye and saying, get ready, because yeah. that, that, that's what it is. I mean, that's what it's going to be. Um, they they play definitely a 3-4 um, defense. Um, again, there, there there's no concern for me um, here. There's really no big matchup thing um, as far as FAU. For me, it's all Florida, and that yeah. is – Florida's front five, whether that's DeLance playing right tackle or Stuart Reese playing right tackle and Braun playing right guard, whatever it may be, Florida's front five has got to, got to, got to get a push. Yep. And I, I say this every year, and I get fired up about it when I when I talk about it because it, it's just one of those things as, a, as an old football coach on the line of scrimmage that just fires me up. And that means you you've all fall camp for the last month, you've been hitting the same guy. And – you know, whether or not you've meant to or not, you've taken it easy a little bit on it. Now is the time to go smack somebody else's head across, pancake them down, and laugh at them because it's an opposing team. I'm ready to see this front five. You know, that that front five, I've been one of those people who said, I, I need to see it. Well, shut me up, please. John Hevesy and his group, shut me up, please. I'm ready to see this front five get nasty and lead Emory Jones in this offense, you know, down the right way. And I, I'm so tired of watching an offensive lineman, uh, you know, saying, hey, there you go. It's a revolving door and screaming, watch out. I'm ready to see a front five that's nasty. Let's see it starting Saturday. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you got Kyle Trask back there tossing bombs every one, two seconds and knows where to go with the football at every receiver. So even if you do miss a block, it's not like the, the ball's coming out of the hands as quick as Kyle Trask delivered it. Now, and this time, if you let a guy go when he's blitzing, Henry Jones is running for his life. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on. So, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I want to see this offensive line get at it. I want to see what we thought the offensive line would be in 2018 kind of be the 2018 offensive line that we saw back then because the 2018 offensive line wasn't too terribly bad. It wasn't great but did allow Felipe Franks a lot of time to throw the football. We actually had a run game. So, uh, you know, I, I I will say anytime that I've seen Emory Jones in the game, even in the Oklahoma game or wherever he's been at running the ball, he's been able to do it pretty, pretty well. I mean, 6.8 yards rushing per average. So I think I don't know if you attribute that to Emory Jones being an elusive runner and, and just an elusive guy, but I think that Florida – and their offensive line last year, even Gene DeLance, looked really, really well when running the football. But can you block somebody? What happens when Emory Jones goes to drop back for a pass? What's going to happen? How, many, how much time does he have? He can't use his legs all day. He can't throw off of his back foot when he's running. So you're going to have to establish some kind of line of scrimmage in this game. And hopefully, you know, I'd love to see defensive plays. I'd love to see sacks. Don't get me wrong. But right now, I'm concentrated on that offensive line. That offensive line was abysmal last year. It almost was the year before as well. Couldn't run the ball in 2019 either. So this year, I really want to see the offensive line get together, and I want to see I want to see more of a run game going. And, uh, you know, FAU, we're still stuck on defense here. And uh, a guy that, you know, I researched, jumped out to me really well. Uh, he's actually predicted to kind of be a free agent guy maybe there in the NFL. Is a guy named Zion Gilbert, one of those guys that you – probably will have to watch out for on defense. Uh, he's from Jefferson Davis High School. 
He's their best cornerback. Also a guy who returns kicks for them as well. So an all-around athlete uh, who can be some sort of threat on special teams as well. He has three total interceptions for his career, 16 total passes defended, and 192 total tackles, with 3.5 of those total tackles were for a loss. So, I mean, still really nothing that jumps out to you that makes you feel threatened that FAU's going to have some big game where, you know, this Zion Gilbert's going to tackle, um, tackle these guys a million times. You got receivers out there that were top rated guys, top 100 guys. Uh, you got a five star out there as well, Justin Shorter. I, I don't see any cornerback or any safety out there that's going to guard any of these receivers out there. So I think really this is Emory Jones' chance to have a field day. This is, this is his chance to get comfortable with passing the ball in the pocket, getting ready, getting set. And being kind of a little bit of a version of Kyle Trask, but I know we're going to see some run game in here too. But I think this is, you know, week one, especially week one and week two, I think Dan Mullen, and and I know a lot of people love Anthony Richardson. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Anthony Richardson too. But I think Dan Mullen may keep Emory Jones in this game longer than expected just to get him comfortable in the passing game, get some confidence build up. This is his first year starting just to get him ready for Alabama in week three. Well, and get ready. The offense is going to be vanilla. Yeah. Get ready. Because the offense is going to be vanilla this week, next week. You're saving the kitchen sink for Alabama. Yep. I mean, you know, you're going to see a lot of zone reads with Emory, a lot of quarterback runs with Emory. You're going to see him throw the ball, you know, quick and short, and then you're going to see him take a few deep shots off play action, you know, the play action uh, quarterback run. You're going to see all of that. Um, You know, I'm like you. I would like to see him, you know, get comfortable and establish that, you know, throwing game a little bit just to – not that I think that that's going to be his game, because it's not, but just so that he knows in the back of his mind he can do it on third and, you know, third and six, and he needs a slant route. Excuse me. He can do it. Uh, and that's what I want to see. Um, more so than anything, though, I want to see Florida's front five whip FAU's front seven. That's what I want to see. I th- For me, if you ask me after Sunday or after the game on Sunday – what I liked about the game, I want to be able to tell you that Florida won the game and Florida's offense line dominated the crap out of FAU. That that's what I want to see. And our in and, and the defense communicates. Not not so much puts up, you know, the great numbers and you know, um, throws a shutout. I mean, I don't expect a shutout. Um, you get garbage points, that kind of stuff. Th- that stuff for me is kind of a wash. I want to see the guys be able to line up, communicate. You know, get the play in and out, and then offensively, I want to see the front five whip the crap out of FAU's guys and, and, and have a good game. You know, I always say this, and you know, and I hate to do this, but the the best of the best, the elite of the elite, when it comes to these cupcake games, they tell you why they're the best of the best because they sit up there and they just whip the crap. You know, they could tell you, hey, we're about to run draw, and they're going to still whip the crap out of the opposing team. Yep. Florida hasn't done that. For whatever reason, Florida hasn't done that. A lot of that is because Florida's front five has been atrocious at times. But I'm ready to see it. And, you know, I get fired up talking about it because it's just (laughs) – it seems so simple. But, my God, it hadn't been simple. And I don't understand why. But it just is a thing of – it's a hat on a hat and go dominate that son of a gun. Ethan White, you got that nose tackle and you got to double team him. Big dog, you're a big boy too. It, go go push him around. You know, go put a hat on a hat and 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 let Damian Pierce get 20 yards. Uh, you know, let's not even have Emory Jones have to really worry about, uh, you know, being 20 for 20 throwing the ball and worrying about that. Put a hat on a hat, dominate the line of scrimmage, put up 300 yards rushing and say, uh, you know what, we're going to win like this. Emory Jones, any quarterback can win like that when you're putting a hat on a hat and you're dominating up front. You and I could play quarterback in the SEC and win. <laughs> Spivey's fired up, man. I love it. I love it, man. <laughs> I get fired. I get fired I, up hey, over offensive line. Play. You know, I, I I love I love seeing this fire from you, man. We got to get it more for you on this podcast, man. <laughs> You're right, though, man. I, I get fired hey. up when it's football season, and especially <laughs> when we talk about offensive line play. I just it it you know I we say this all the time, but it 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 just it does it frustrates me to no end because. I say this, and, and it's not simple. 
it's not simple. But offensive line plays about how bad do you want to beat the crap out of the guy in front of you? Yeah. And, you know, football's the only sport, the only thing in America where you can legitimately push somebody around on a, on a, on human earth and not get in trouble for it. You know, you can legit push a guy down and step on him, laugh in his face and tell him about his pancake chew, and there's not a thing he can do about it except for get up and line up and get it again. And and for me, that's just where I, I, I see with the offensive line play. I want to see, you know, uh, and, I, and I really do, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Ethan White do it. Uh, you know, I've heard so much about Ethan White. Ethan White's a guy who's overcome a lot with his weight and, you know, people not uh, not wanting him because of his weight. This is your time to shine, big guy. You know, same thing with Kingsley. Everybody kind of ruled him out at center. It's his time. And, you know, Braun's the same way. Braun, you want to start? Go dominate your guy when you play. Um, you know, Gene Delance, you want everybody to shut up about you? Go dominate. It, it, it's FAU. They're not playing in the SEC for a reason. Right. <laughs> and I was going to say, if you have trouble pushing around a defensive line in FAU, week three, you're going to get demolished, dude. And and through the SEC, just in the SEC as a whole, if you're struggling against FAU, <laughs> I'm, I feel bad for Emory Jones right now, especially sitting. But he might as well run every play. <laughs> but uh, well, and, and like you said, Emory Jones is not Kyle Trask, right? He's not. Anthony Richardson's not Kyle Trask. Yeah, there's not. Kyle Trask is not on the roster. You know, you don't have that guy that if your offensive line's atrocious in run blocking, that you could throw short balls thirty times a game and win. It just isn't happening. Emory Jones is not that kind of guy. Emory Jones shouldn't be expected to be that kind of guy. Um, and, you know, there's not a quarterback in America who can run for their life and still be effective of being the, the, the signal caller out there. You know, we want to see Damian Pierce have a good game. You know, Damian Pierce gets a lot of flat because he doesn't have a ton of yards. But Damian Pierce runs between the tackles. That's yeah. his game. You need this offensive line to get him a little hole. And that's what I want to see. I want to see the run game establish this game. All last year, we could not run the ball. And, you know, it helps having a dual-threat quarterback. But like you said, I want to see a run play where we can run right up the middle. We don't have to count on us tricking the defense and, and thinking the quarterback's going to run it. I just want to see a complete handoff run right up the middle for 20, 10, 20 yards. That's what I want to see all game. I want to see, like you said, the offensive line just demolish and maul this defensive line. I want to see... That when you were in those two scrimmages and those practices and you were getting dominated by that defensive line, I want you to say, no, that defensive line's in the best of the nation and we're the best offensive line in the nation and we're going to push you over too. Just like that. We were against the hardest defensive line in the nation, which is going to be this year, and we're still just as good as that defensive line. That's what I want to see. Is it really? Hey, I'm with you. Is it really that the offensive line was bad? Or was it right. that our you defensive line is the best in the nation? You never really know. You, you never know. That's the that's the key of you know the first game. You know we we say this all the time. You know if you know we we heard about Emory struggling a little bit. Is the secondary better? We'll see. You know, is the linebackers better? We'll see. Um, you know, I, I I'm excited to see it. I, I say it every year, and for the last three years, I've set myself up to be just pissed off. <laughs> when it, when it when it comes to game time because I see the offensive line come out and struggle and and I'm like what the crap and I say it every year and uh, you know I, I I'm I'm crossing fingers and toes and praying that this year it's not going to be the case this year I'm going to come out of the FAU game happy uh, because of it and um, I'm excited uh, I'm excited to see it I'm excited to see what you know this is Dan Mullen's offense with Emory Jones this is your your you know the quarterback play that you like you like a dual threat quarterback um, I'm ready to see it I'm like you when it's fourth fourth quarter and you're up by ten against Alabama in the swamp I want them to be able Dan Mullen to be able to say guess what. We're going to run it three straight times, or we're going to get a first down. We're not putting the ball in the air. That's not our strength. That's not Emory's strength. Our strength is going to be our five is going to beat your five, and we're going to run it just like you did against us in December in Atlanta last year. That's what we're going to do, and that's what I want to see, um, and I'm excited for it. I really am. I'm excited to see uh, what happens, and uh, that brings me to my point and, uh, before we do predictions, and that is – Give me one thing that, that you want to see 
we we didn't we'll, we'll discount the offensive line. All right, give me one thing you want to see uh, from offense, and then give me one thing you want to see from defense. Spivey, you got me a little fired up there. Hey, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I want to see. Can we start off in the positive turnover margin? Um, Florida last year was 79th in turnover margin. Can we can we get a turnover? I want to see turnovers this game. I want to see the defense get their hands on it. I want to see the defensive backfield get their hands on it. I want to see fumbles. I want to see interceptions. Any way that you can get a turnover and get your offense back on the field, score really quick, I really want to see that from this defense. A lot of times, and we're used to it, we are spoiled when it comes to defense. We had such great defense for decades. And now, last year, it was completely abysmal. For some odd reason, it was. You don't have Marco Wilson back there, a guy that, you know, a lot of you guys will say, okay, he's gone. You don't, you don't have to worry about Marco Wilson anymore. Uh, you, you've got no shoes being thrown, nothing like that. I do also, from the defense, want to see better safety play. Safety play has not been good since Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has left here. I do want to see plays from the safety. But on offense, I do want to see Emory Jones establish a quick rapport with his receivers because he's going to need that throughout the whole year. I want to see if he can be accurate when he throws the deep ball, which we have seen. He has been pretty accurate on the deep ball, but I want to see the intermediate throws. Can he be accurate on the intermediate throws? Is he, is he going to throw it too hard to a receiver to where he gets his head blown off by a defender and he can't catch? I mean, many times you've seen Kyle Trask step in the pocket. How many times did he throw an inaccurate throw? Maybe once in the Arkansas game to Xavier Henderson? That's really all I've seen from Kyle Trask. I want to see accuracy from Emory Jones. I want to see him able to, at least on some plays, take a couple of seconds, go through his reads, be able to toss the ball to a receiver. He doesn't have to do it every time. Not every quarterback can do that every time. Only special ones can can do that. But it is his first year. I also want to see from defense, and I know I'm segueing off defense again, I want to see them limit a non-conference opponent to less than 20 points. This is FAU. If you can't limit them to less than 20 points this game, unless... The 20 points or more comes in garbage time. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens in that game. How are you going to do against guys in the SEC? What's going to happen? Yeah. You're going to have to score 40 and 50 points a game like you did last year to win a game. I mean, yeah. <laughs> can Emory Jones sit in the pocket? Can Will he have time to sit in the pocket? And it refers back to your offensive line. Will he have time to sit in the pocket if he needs to? I know he's a run quarterback, but when he even said, he didn't even refer to himself as a run quarterback. He said, I like to sit back in the pocket <laughs> and throw the ball. We'll see what happens. I also want to see the kicking game, what it looks like. Yeah. You know, Jace Chrisman, you lost your, your your kicker. You thought you weren't going to lose this year. You did to the NFL. So now you got Jace Chrisman in here. How's our kicking game going to look? How's the punting game going to look? Uh, you know, who's returning kicks? Uh, you know, you lost Kadarius Tony. Uh, there, uh, there was mention of Jamarcus Weston earlier. I think he's on that depth chart now to return kicks along with Jacob Copeland really don't agree with Jacob Copeland being on that special teams list. You kind of want to keep him healthy to receive, but it is what it is. He's a big guy. Um, I do want to see what happens on special teams. Uh, <laughs> you know, Demarcus Bowman, a lot of people were upset. He mentioned Demarcus Bowman and, uh, you know, maybe Xavier Henderson on special teams, but then he releases a depth chart without Bowman in it. So maybe maybe you might see Lingard or Bowman on the uh, kick return. You don't know. You really don't know it, Dan. Uh, but, I mean, that's what no. I mainly want to see from this game. Uh, I don't know about you, though. Do you want to, I mean, um, you know, are they going to split kicking? You know, is um, Jace going to be Christmas? Is it going to be more going to be more of a, um, you know, the the long guy and and Howard going to be the short guy? You know, it, it, there's a lot for me. It's it's pretty simple for me. And and I say it's pretty simple. It's, it's if it was simple, we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, defensively, I want to see. um Florida secondary or Florida secondary play with some swag. Yeah. I, I say it all the time. I want my defensive back groups to be the most cockiest, you know, sweat, have swag, whatever. If you're not talking trash in the secondary, you're not a real secondary player. That's just yeah. what it is. You know, find me very many successful secondary guys who don't just love to talk smack. Not very many. Right. Uh, so I want to see that. Uh, obviously, the defense lineup, we talked about that. Offensively, I want to see some big plays. You know, you're playing FAU. You're playing a secondary that is supposed to be the weakness. Go get some big plays. 
take the top off the defense a little bit. You know, get the crowd going early in the swamp. You know, bust out with a 60-yard bomb to, to Xavier Henderson or Jacob Copeland or, or Justin Shorter or whoever it may be. You know, pop out with some of those big throws. You know, this is what Emory Jones is supposed to be able to do. Uh, get the big play, uh, explosive play that, that Mullen likes to call it. Let's get that. Get that going. Um, like you said, special teams, really like to see Finley Graham see what Finley yep. Graham could do back there um, and see, you know, if what he could do. He's your explosive guy, the guy that really doesn't, uh, you know, have a role yet on defense yet. Um, so those are, you know, it's pretty specific. It's pretty self-explanatory, honestly. But, you know, I just want to see those little things happen in the game. Um, like you said, Florida just dominate FAU. Show that that ranking, and you know, I seen Stuart Mandel put out a thing today where he had Florida going eight and four, third in the SC East. Shut up the haters. Yeah, best way to shut up the haters: go out and drop sixty on FAU and shut them out, or you know, win sixty to twenty, or, or fifty to twenty, or whatever it may be. Go out and shut them up with your play on the field. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I really, you want to start the first game off right. Now, and like you said, you don't want to give away too much because you do have Alabama week three. But man, take the top off of them. Take some deep shots this game. You're probably going to be able to beat these guys with the receivers that you have. These receivers are way bigger, way yeah. faster. It's not going to be hard to chuck a ball 50, 60 yards, have them in the end zone within, what, a minute or two, like you kind of did last year. You don't need Kyle Pitts out here for this game. You don't need a Kadarius Tony. You've got guys, especially number one, Jacob Koblen out there, that can torch these guys. So that's what I really want to see. I want to see Florida get up at least 30, at least 30 points to nothing in the half and then kind of maybe get a couple more touchdowns. But I do really want to see some turnovers. I, I, I want to see a score in the return game. Uh, it, it's very rare. We had one last year with Kadarius Tony in in the Kentucky game and then before that it was a couple of years with Freddie Swain <laughs> that we had a uh, kickoff return. So I kind of want to see that but also like I said I want to see turnovers. So you know, I'm fired up, you're fired up. I'm, I I I love this fire from you Spivey. If we could get this from you every podcast, this would be we would probably hit number 1 every time, you know, in the podcasting world out there. But I, I do like it's the football fire, season. <laughs> we're 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 back to doing it. Now you and I have something to do for the first time, and I like kicking butt. I like winning. You know, I, I, I you mm-hmm. know, we all joke about Dan Mullen and his thumb wrestling. I like to beat my four year old in everything we do, just because I don't like to lose. So, <laughs> uh, we have a little thing on Non Gator Country where we pick three players to watch. And uh, since you're the new guy, I'm gonna let you go first. But I'm just gonna tell you, I take this very serious, and I want to win. <laughs> well. This is like Tim Tebow's Freak of the Week, but times three. <laughs> there you go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let you lead it off this week. Now next week I'm I'm leading off, but you can lead it off this week. Give me one guy, and then I'll give you my one guy. We'll work our way through this. You know what? I'm gonna hit you with a good one right now, and you're not gonna believe it. Gene DeLance, baby. Let's go, baby. Gene DeLance. I want to see him, like you said, push somebody around. You talked all this smack all year about Gene DeLance can't guard anybody. Gene DeLance is is like a statue out there. He just watches the defensive lineman roll past, or you know, just you know, get, just. I just want to see him do something. So I'm going to say Gene DeLance. That's going to be my guy to look out for. I think Gene DeLance is fired up just like you, and I hope he listens to this podcast because I'm I'm behind him 100%. Shut all the haters up. I'm tired of seeing it on my Twitter TL. That's right. I'm a, I'm gonna go with a, I'm gonna go with an easy one and and one that's a not fair but it but it but I'm gonna go because I think he has something to prove and that's Emory that's Emory at the at that QB one spot um you know there was the talk all you know all fall and scrimmages where he struggled um Emory's waited his turn you know when you're a quarterback and you wait your turn it, there's a fire there's got to mm-hmm. be a fire if there's not a fire then there's something wrong with you. Um, I, I do. I think Emory has a big game. A couple rushing touchdowns, maybe a passing touchdown or two. So um, I'm, I'm going to go Emory. Emory Jones said he's going to eat his vegetables this year. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Rep for the uh, 404 up there, Emory. That's it. 404, man. Uh, where I'm Kind of where I'm from. I'm from the 770, but uh, it's close enough. Close enough. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick uh, Jamarcus Weston. You heard uh, Dan Mullen talk about Jamarcus Weston, how underrated he was. You've heard him praise him all year. 
we got a clue. He he's gonna he's on that depth chart to return kicks. Let's see what Jamarcus Weston could do on special teams because you know how you get on the roster and get more playing time? Special teams. That's what you do. So I think that Jamarcus Weston has a good upside. And I'm kind of pumped the way that Dan Mullen talks about him. So I want to see if it's it's for real. You've watched film on him. He was ranked maybe what six five six hundred in his recruiting class. Let's see what Jamarcus Weston can yeah. do, man. He he's never been to a camp. That's that. I don't think he's been to one camp to try to raise his recruiting ranking. So let's see. Let's see what Jamarcus Weston can do. I'm going to pick Jamarcus Weston. I, I think Weston gets in there and gets some receiving yards. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with another guy and. You know, I've been waiting for this guy to be wide receiver number one forever, and that's Copeland. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the the guy's jacked right now, even more so than before. Yeah. He's got that number one jersey on, and that's special. Um, he hears it. He hears the, the haters. He also knows it's money year. It's money year for Jacob Copeland. Um, everybody watch the story. Um, I'm sure, um, you know, about him talking about all of his friends in Pensacola, either, you know, winding up, you know, dead or, or in jail or whatever it may be. And Jacob Copeland has a lot to prove. Jacob Copeland is is a guy who's driven by success. He wants success. It's Jacob Copeland's year to be wide receiver number one for the Florida Gators. And it starts Saturday. What better way to do drop 100 and get you a touchdown or two? That'll get you on some draft boards quickly. Yeah, and just as you mentioned with Emory Jones, Jacob Copeland's waited his turn, too. He's been sitting yeah. behind receivers like Tyree Cleveland, Freddie Swain, uh, Van Jefferson, <laughs> uh, you know, Kadarius Toady. I could name yeah. all. I could go down the whole list. He's sat behind at least, what, eight, nine receivers <laughs> in yeah. his career. Yeah, he should also be fired up to, to what it is. And you know Emory Jones and Jacob Copeland have that kind of rapport with each other. Oh, they're buddies. They yeah. throw together in Atlanta all the time, and... They're, they're close, so, you know, go do it. Go do it. Let's go. That's a good combo you picked there. I might not yeah, be able to beat that see, one. See? You see? I'm, I'm telling you. I'm picking my fantasy football team. I'm rolling <laughs> it up. I don't have the Ryan to Julio connection anymore. <laughs> Third guy I'm going to pick, Trading. I want to see Trading succeed. Trading has busted his tail. He looks a lot more jacked now, too, if you've seen pictures of Trading. Trey Dean was a guy that started out his freshman year and didn't do too hot at safety, kind of got pushed down on the depth chart. Uh, since then, he's worked really, really hard. Uh, I, I love the kid. He's got a really great mindset, uh, very, very involved with his faith, and he's a hard worker, man. Like I said, if you've seen pictures of him, he looks jacked. And, and last year, when he was in the game, you saw flashes. He actually helped that struggling defense. I mean... He had a good bit of pass breakups and a, an SEC championship interception that, you know, you know what happened there. But you still like to see something like that because that was a quarterback that barely threw any interceptions all year. Mac Jones in that Alabama, in that Alabama offense, nobody could stop him. He gave us a chance in that SEC championship game. And if that, that, that football wasn't fumbled, who knows? We probably would have won that game. Who knows? There could have been a lot of turning points in that game. But Robin my guy right frustrated. now. Yeah. Frustrated me last year not was, playing Trey Dean. I'm just, you know, I said this a minute ago. You want your dads to have swag? Trey Dean's had swag. Apparently he was, you know, removed from a scrimmage because he was trash talking too much. Yeah. Turn it loose, big dog. Nikosi Perry's not your friend. FAU's not your friend. Go bust him up. Let's go. Let's, Get a safety that's ready to go. Let's see that lockdown. Let's see what them handcuffs mean on that waist. Let's let's see. Yeah. That's going to be my third guy, Trady. I'm going to go with a third guy, and it's going to shock people. Jeremiah Moon. Oh. It's moon time. Moon's, Moon's healthy. Jeremiah Moon did not expect to still be at the University of Florida right now. He expected to be making payday in the NFL with his buddy LaMichael P. Ryan, with his you know other buddies in, in the NFL. He expected to be making money in the NFL. He's here. He's healthy. Had a good fall camp. Veteran guy there. Jeremiah Moon's going to have a big game. Jeremiah Moon's going to have a heck of a football season. Mark it down. He's ready. Jeremiah Moon's going to make pancakes, too. Make some moon pies out there on that field. Flatten there you go. Moon pie time for Jay Moon. <laughs> All right, David. Let's pick some games around the country. Some good ones, my friend. 
All right. Didn't you pick a... Uh, we'll, we'll start with Miami and Alabama. Uh, looks like... What is the spread on this game? I think it's, what, around 18 points? 17, 18 points? Yeah, uh, we'll do it. For this game, you know, for games that we know who the winner is going to be, let's let's do that. We'll do it against spread. So, if it's 18, I still got Bama. I still got Bama. <laughs> well, it's not a good football team down in Miami. What is Manny Diaz doing? Yeah, um... Miami says they're back every year. You even see a, a guy named Coop out there making Alabama diss tracks and <laughs> looking like the great white hope out there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think they cover the spread, too. I think that's actually at 19.5. So I think Alabama's going to cover that I spread. I got it. And a lot more. Yeah. And a lot more. I, I, yeah. I think De'Eric King is decent. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I think he's decent. I think he's How a little overrated. But... This Alabama defense ain't no joke, man. <laughs> How healthy is King? You know, I mean, he's coming back from a quick injury very quickly. I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. If not, they're going to have to play the backup, and he's not going to do much better. <laughs> no. I think no. Alabama Miami, Miami doesn't have a chance. Yeah, Miami it, doesn't have a chance. If you're a betting man, bet on Alabama and take the spread. I would. 100 bucks. Never bet on Miami unless they're playing Florida State. Yeah, exactly. Here's uh, a here's a game. This is for you. Lafayette travels to, to Sark Town down in Austin. Does Lafayette ruin the Sark coming out party? What's that spread? About eight points there. Um, yeah, I, it, I. You can go. You can just go winner. You I'll can go, just go a winner. You don't have to pick your points here. I'm going to pick Texas, man. I, I think Zark is a good offensive coordinator. Uh, he was, you know, he was here with the Falcons. Look at what he did with the Falcons. He didn't win no Super Bowl, but it's the Falcons. This is what these Atlanta teams do. Every oh, year. I hated Sark with the Falcons. I hated Sark with the Falcons. <laughs> Throw the ball to Julio, man. It's not hard. It's in the end zone. Throw the ball to Julio. <laughs> exactly. Give Julio the ball, or at least run the ball when it's 28-3. Yeah. to three. <laughs> fourth and goal on the one yard line and you run a bootleg to the right with one wide receiver great play calling Sark <laughs> I still great. think he's a I still think he's a good offensive coordinator I, I got Texas in this game I, I think Texas will win it I'm going with the upset oh, the raging cage is a Lafayette with Billy Napier Billy Napier is a fine football coach yeah. representing for the Sun Belt I'm going with the fighting Billy Napiers of the raging Cajuns. So you're going with the Sun Belt. That's that's yeah. That is a. Uh, I don't believe in Sark. I think he's over his head. All of his buddies down there. You know, this is not your dorm room party. You know, it's not. You're not running your dorm room flag football team there, Sark. You're running Texas Longhorns. Yeah, and, and Texas is one of those teams that recruits really well and gets upset by like the the teams that shouldn't upset them. It, it's really, yeah. I mean, you you could have a good argument here. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette could could be Texas here, I, I, especially. It's not no could, David. It's gonna happen. Let's we see. don't we don't make. There's nothing on the internet that's false, and I put it on the internet that it's gonna happen. Okay, we'll uh, put so, it on the internet. So that's a matchup between me and you there. The uh, four thirty. There you game. go. I'll have to. I'll have to pay attention to that one. It, Let's see here. I know I'm, there was another big top twenty-five. Indiana and Iowa. Ooh yeah, Indiana and Iowa. That, that actually is a tough one to predict here. Um, Three and a half is what uh, uh, Iowa's got. Indiana's. You know they had a decent year last year. Iowa decent. always seems to be decent. Um, is Pink's back for Indiana? I don't know. I, yes. Yeah, he is. He is. Okay. Yes. So, you know, they were rolling when he was in. And they had a close game against Ohio State last year, too. They only lost by seven points. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they, they did. Who did they upset last year? It was, um, what was it? I can't I can't remember which team they upset last year. I don't know. They, they, they put Ohio State to the test. Um, they put Ole Miss to the test, too. You know, and yeah. So, we'll see. You know, he's a good quarterback. Uh, I'm going Indiana here. Yeah, I was going to say, I got Indiana too. Uh, Iowa, when you look at, especially like last year's schedule, I I know team switch and people graduate and all that, but uh, I just think, you know, just looking at the schedule from last year, I pick Indiana. That's pretty much most most of the knowledge that I have on Indiana. But uh, I know they did upset a team last year. Penix had 3,100 yards last year. 
or in the last two years um, before tearing his ACL. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with Indiana too. So we only have one matchup right now that we're both uh, in difference with, and that is the, uh, what was that? The, I don't know, but we have that. We got in, you got Alabama, Miami. If I'm not too busy seeing Miami get smacked around by Alabama and, and laughing my butt off, I might, I might tune into this, uh, this game here. <laughs> then, then we have the big one in Carolina. Clemson and Georgia. Only a three-point favorite for Clemson. Some late word that there's some injuries for Clemson, but I don't think it matters. Dabo Sweeney's a better football coach. DJ Angavaloa, whatever, yada, whatever, however you say his name, is a better quarterback than uh, JT Daniel. I have Clemson rolling here by two scores. Ooh, that's a... That's close. Yeah, um, I think Georgia may have the better defense here, but like you said, uh, it's Kirby. And uh, when you got a decent talent profile, you got I think they're in the third in the talent profile, and Georgia's number one. Yeah, uh, when you match talent for talent and coach for coach, Dabo's going to win over Kirby. And I, I will pick Clemson to win this game. And it's not because I don't like Georgia. I, I still don't like Georgia, but I still think Clemson will roll in this game. And, and if, you, if you've seen the video out there, guys, there's a video rolling around there. At, I think it's some recruit that visited Clemson, or it was a player. He's recording a video on his phone, and he's showing the national championship pr- trophy in, in Clemson State, or whatever it is in Clemson Stadium or in their locker room. And you hear Dabo in the background saying something about Georgia in 40 years. It's it's a pretty funny video if you haven't seen it yet, Spivey. Yeah, I've seen it. It was, hey, any chance you get to rub on Kirby, it's good by me. All right, down to the swamp. Not a not a question of who wins by either of us, but do the Gators cover twenty three and a half at home against the Fighting Willie Taggarts? <laughs> they better. It's Willie Taggart. It's a quarterback thrown for fifty two percent. It's a talent profile that's way less than yours. Like you said, you wanted to see some fire. I want to see some fire. I want to see the spread covered. And you know what? Why don't you cover the spread by double 23.5? Let's do it by 47 points. That's what I want to see. Let's make this score 52 to 10, or 50, whatever, 58 to 10. You see, I did my math wrong. <laughs> what does Vegas do know, though, that we don't? They have it as only 52 points being scored in the game. Uh, I could see it being maybe 45-10, but that would still be 55 Um uh, maybe they think, yeah. uh, I don't know. I have no clue. I, I think it's because Florida is starting a new quarterback, but I don't know. I just don't see it. Willie Taggart, you're, you're no, if, if Florida doesn't hold them to 20 points, I, I'll be a little upset for the, for the defense at least, unless it's garbage time points. Like I said, it, it, it would have to be garbage time yeah. points, but it just Gators cover Gators cover by Gators how much, cover. How much do you think they cover by? <sighs> I'm going to say Gators cover. I'm going to say they win. I'm going to say they barely cover at 24. I'm going to say it's 42-14. Or no, 42-10. I'll I'll go. I I don't think it's going to be double. I'll say I'll do 30. I'll do 30. I hope they curb stop them, though. (laughs) I hope it's like 50. We got to break Willie Taggart in to his first visit to Swamp. We just have to. (laughs) That's right. All right, man. All right, man. Get us out of here. We'll be back on Sunday. We'll recap this uh, this big one for the Gators and uh, hopefully uh, talk about a lot of positives. Hopefully not have to talk about John Hevesy and Todd Grantham felling as um, position coaches and defensive coordinator again in their opening game of the season. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. Excited for the first game, David. I uh, know you're excited to be back in the swamp. Um, and uh, you'll have to let us know how loud it gets right there by the players as they come out. And um, a few recruits going to visit as well. We'll recap it all on Sunday. Yes, we will, man. I'll be down there in the swamp tailgating a little bit and being around the fans, and hopefully it's a pretty packed swamp if it's not packed all the way. But that will do it, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.